0: Um, good afternoon. Let me have my welcome. Um, my name is John T. And just for a few minutes, we're going to think together about this message of Christmas and why it's good news and, and what makes it so wonderful. Um, and I want you to think about your name for a second. Um, you've all got a name and your name matters to you. It, it's important to you. And it annoys you when people get it wrong, doesn't it? When people get your name wrong or pronounce it wrong or say something wrong about your name. It's It's irritating. Because names matter to us. Um, a couple of years ago, apparently, no one called their kid Ian. That's, that's, a, that's a disaster, isn't it? Because if, if people don't start calling their kids Ian again, Ians are going to die out. So, um, you know, if you're called Ian in particular, welcome to you this afternoon. It's great to have you with us. And the reason I talk about names is because we're going to think about one particular name in, uh, of Jesus that we have heard read earlier. When Joseph, who has this... I mean, you've got a feel for Joseph, right? Joseph is all expecting to get married to Mary. It's all going swimmingly. Suddenly, he finds out she's pregnant, and his whole world is turned upside down. And he's going to um, divorce her quietly. He's a good man, Joseph. He want, doesn't want to make a fuss. And then he has this nighttime dream, this vision, uh, this appearing of an angel. And the angel comes and says... Um, to, to Joseph and the, that this was all going to happen to fulfill the Old Testament. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we're going to think about that name, Emmanuel, And we've already heard it several times in this service, if you've been uh, noticing. Emmanuel means God with us. And at first sight, we might say, oh, that's lovely right? That's just a cozy, nice sort of a name. And it makes us feel nice. Oh, that's nice that God is with us. I want us, and all of that's true. It's very nice. But I want us to push a little bit harder. I'm going to stretch you a little bit. I want to make you think a little bit. This isn't just a nice little talk to go, isn't everything nice? This is a talk to make us think a little bit. And I want to go back in time from that nighttime visitation of the angel to Joseph. I want to go back back, 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 700 years earlier to the first time we hear the name Emmanuel. The first time that name is used. And it comes up all the way back in Isaiah chapter 7. So I'm going to read you um, a bit of this. I'll put it up on the screen so you can see it. Um, Because I want you to notice um, what we're told about this name Emmanuel. So keep an eye out for it. Um, And if you're not quite following everything that's going on, I'm going to fill in some of the story in a minute. This is 700 years before Mary and Joseph and the first Christmas. And we read this. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, here now, you house of David, Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. (laughs) What's that got to do with Christmas? Well, the thing it's got to do with Christmas is that that's the first place we get this name Emmanuel. And this passage in Isaiah 7, 700 years before Christmas, helps us to understand what this name Emmanuel really means. So that we don't settle for a kind of golden syrup version of this name that's sweet and nice, oh, it's nice, but we actually have a solid understanding of what this name really is about. And the big thing I want you to notice is that God says, this name is a sign. I'm going to give you a sign, God says. So let's have a little think about signs. Uh, My guess is in the next um, few weeks, lots of us will be traveling around, Uh, you know, (laughs) I on the 23rd, I think the whole country is going to move um, when suddenly we're allowed. Uh, not all of us, but some. And, uh, you know, people get on the trains and get in the cars and we'll be moving around and we'll pass loads of signs. And we sort of know how signs work. Signs um, are there to, to, to tell us things that are important. But there are some signs that are pointless, right? There are some signs that have no purpose whatsoever. That's a useless sign. Really, the best signs are the ones that are really needed. Here's here's a few. Look look at this, right? Here's some signs. Um, What about this one? Hi, I'm Emma. What's the point of that sign? You're telling me... Anyway, you can probably see the frustration. Maybe you don't get as frustrated as I do. Maybe you live a more chilled-out life than I do. Okay, here's another one. Last one. But I reckon in order for a sign to really be worth it, um, a sign has to be needed. That's the first thing I want us to notice. This sign that God gives to his people in Isaiah 7, this sign of Emmanuel, it's a needed sign. The people need this. Right, let me um, fill in some of the story. Let's back up a little bit. What was all that I just read from Isaiah 7? What was that about? Well, here's a bit of history, okay? I hope you enjoy history. We're going to do some. Stick with this. It's going to be a lot of fun. You need to know some of this history from the Bible so that it makes sense of what Emmanuel means. We're talking about a a nation um, called Judah. That's the southern bit of Israel. Judah, that's where the town of Jerusalem is. So you've got Judah, and the king of Judah is a man called Ahaz. He's a bad king, um, but he's the king of Judah. Now, at the time, um, we're told... That Ahaz was king of Judah. Listen to what was going on. King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. Okay, so stick with it. You've got the southern kingdom of Judah. Up in the north, you've got Ephraim. That's the northern bit of Israel. And that's led by this man called Pekah. So there he is, King Pekah. And then you've got Aram, which is the modern-day Syria. That's led by this man called Rezin. So you've got Rezim and Pekah, and they are attacking. They've joined forces to come and attack Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem is at a point of being under great threat. There's massive danger all around them. You know when you're playing Monopoly? You know when someone suggests that that's a good idea on Christmas Day, everyone's a bit bored, everyone's had too much to eat, and like, what are we going to do? We've still got three hours to kill. Let's play Monopoly Um, Although they've said we're not allowed to play board games this year because it might spread COVID. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I know. Anyway, so there you are playing Monopoly. It's like when you're playing Monopoly and someone has got all of the greens and the purples and you're tracking along the top, kind of along the reds and the yellows and you know you're coming up to the greens and purples and your heart is filled with dread. In fact, to, to, to use the language here, this is how they were feeling in Jerusalem. The hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. That's how I feel playing Monopoly sometimes. Knowing that my little brother has got all of those with hotels, and my money is all going to be gone, and the, my heart is shaken by the threats surrounding me. But, of course, for Jerusalem, it's slightly more significant than a game of monopoly. Here is Jerusalem. The very nation is at stake. They're in danger of being invaded and overpowered and destroyed. And so their hearts are shaking like trees in the wind. There is threat all around them. That's the situation that we're talking about. That's the political situation that they're in. And you know, some of us feel like that sometimes, don't you? Don't you sometimes feel like your heart is shaken like a tree in the forest. Not that we see many trees in central London, but there are trees around in the world. <laughs> there are forests that get shaken by the wind, and sometimes our hearts can feel like that. We can feel under threat. We can look around at our world, and we can feel pretty scared about all that's happening and all that's going on. You know, it may be that you look ahead to 2021, you think, I don't know what that year's going to hold. Like Linda said earlier, who who could ever imagine what 2020 was going to be like? It's been, it's been completely beyond anything we expected. And how do we know what's going to happen in 2021? And for some of us, that causes real anxiety. For some of us, that causes real fear. We feel the threat. It's like we're encircled by a threat. For some of us, As we look at what's happening with Brexit and the negotiations, and we think, what's going to happen with this trade deal? What if there's no deal? What if the economy explodes? What if everything goes wrong? And we can feel ourselves very threatened. We can feel our hearts shaking like trees in the wind. For some of us, it's more personal. There's health concerns that we've got, or perhaps our jobs are insecure, or perhaps our families are insecure. And we feel shaken. We feel like there's threat all around us well that was the situation in Jerusalem that's why they needed a sign because they were in danger and so here's this city of Jerusalem and it's shaking and so God comes and he says um, through this prophet Isaiah he says to the king um, be careful keep calm and don't be afraid If you thought that the English were the first to come up with keep calm and carry on, uh, God got there first. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. How can you say don't be afraid when you've got these two whacking great armies approaching to destroy your city? Well, God says, do not lose heart. Your wavering heart, don't lose heart. Because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. I love that phrase. You're terrified by these kings with their vast armies who are going to destroy your city, but God says to me, they're like two smouldering stubs of firewood. I'm not impressed. Your heart may be shaken, but my heart, God says, is not shaken by this. You may feel threatened, but God says I- I'm not threatened. God says that these two enemies who are attacking Jerusalem, who are attacking God's people, they won't stand. They'll lose. God says, It will not take place. It will not happen. Listen how defiant God is. They intend to destroy Jerusalem, but God says, It will not happen. And then he says to his people, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So here is God telling his people, You are going to be okay. The, the enemies look terrifying, they look huge. But you're going to be okay. And then God says, again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. God says, I want to give you a sign. Because I know that it's hard for you to believe this. Because as you look at these enemies, they look huge, and you're here in Jerusalem, and you look like you're going to get smashed in not very long. And God says, so let, me, let me give you a sign. What do you want me to do? I'll do a sign for you. Ask me anything, God says. In the deepest depths to the highest heights, ask me for a sign so that you can be sure. And Ahaz gives this horrible answer. Listen to what he says. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord our God to the test. God says, Ahaz, I want to give you a sign so you can be really sure. Ahaz goes, no, I don't want a sign. Don't put God to the test. And at first sight, he may sound like he's being quite religious, but actually, he's just defiant. He's saying, no, God, I don't want a sign. Why? Because Ahaz has already decided he's not going to trust God. He's going to go and find King Assyria. Oh, King of Assyria, can you come and help me fight these nasty people over here? You see, Ahaz has no intention of trusting God. So when God says, I'll give you a sign, Ahaz goes, no, I don't want a sign. And so Isaiah turns to to all of the rest of God's people and he says, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So the king says, I don't want a sign. God says, I'm tough. You're getting a sign anyway. I'm going to give you a sign that I am going to defeat all of these threatening enemies that are opposing you. God says, I'm going to give you a sign. Do you see why they need it? They need the sign because the world is scary. They need the sign because the enemies look big. They need the sign because they need to trust God. And we need a sign. Because we still live in a world where there are threats all around us. We still live in a world that is scary. We still live in a world where life is hard. We still live in a world where we find our hearts shake and we struggle. You need a sign. You need a sign from God to give you confidence in this world that you can keep calm and not be afraid. Do you see that you need a sign? Because without a sign, we're just doomed to having wavering, wobbling, shaking hearts. I mean, what else do we do? We panic. But here's God saying, I want to give you a sign. So what is it that you feel threatened by this afternoon? What is it that scares you? I mean, I guess ultimately humanity's biggest enemy is death itself, right? Ultimately, it all comes down to that. At some point, death, this great enemy that is invading, that is coming closer and closer, we can't hold it off. It's too strong for us. Death is too big. And death can make us feel afraid. But God says, I've got a sign for you so that you can trust me. Even in the face of that enemy, you can trust me. Okay, so let's think about what the sign is. We definitely need it. Okay, I hope I've persuaded you. You need a sign. And if there is a sign, you should jolly well listen to it because it's going to be good. Well, here's the second thing about a sign. It needs to be needed. But also a good sign is a sign that is Striking that is a sign that you notice, a sign that makes you think, a sign that makes you stop in your tracks. You know, a a little sign. (laughs) Not many people go for camouflage signs. There's not a lot of business for that. Because the point of a sign is that you see it. So what is the sign? Well, here it is. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here it is. This is the sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, that's the sign. (laughs) Here Here is God's great sign, a baby. A baby is God's sign to the world. That's what God tells his people in Jerusalem as they're terrified by the opposing armies that are coming for them. And it's a striking sign. It's a strange sign. But you do want a sign that's kind of a little bit interesting, a little bit makes you think, right? If I said to you, okay, I've got a sign of my awesomeness. I'm gonna prove to you my awesomeness. Okay, here's my sign, you ready? In the next month, it's going to rain. And when you see that rain, it will be a sign of my awesomeness. I don't sense an overwhelming amazement. Because that's not a very impressive sign. Because it always rains, (laughs) and therefore it's not going to impress anyone. But the sign that God gives is a sign that is so unexpected and so surprising—a baby. (laughs) What a weird sign! A sign that makes you stop. A sign that makes you think. A sign that makes you go, "What's going on in this world?" And so here's the sign. And. We read earlier that this baby Emmanuel has something to do with Jesus. But remember, there's 700 years between Isaiah and Jesus. So how does this sign help Ahaz in Jerusalem? In 700 years' time, there's going to be a baby. That's not, how does that help? Well, what if there was another baby? You see, what do you think? Have a guess what happens in Isaiah chapter eight. You know, rough stab in the dark. You don't have to shout it out because no one likes to be embarrassed, but have a guess in your heart what do you think? Out of all the wildest dreams you could ever imagine, what do you think might happen in Isaiah chapter eight? A baby's born. Isaiah goes to sleep with his wife, the prophetess, and they have a child. They don't call him um, Emmanuel. They call him. Listen to this: Mahashalal Hashbaz. Try that. What should we call our child? Mahashalal Hashbaz. But this baby that's born to Isaiah is the sign. A baby is born, and the sign is that before this baby is grown to be a man, God will have defeated the enemies. That's the sign. And so God says in chapter 8 of Isaiah, after this baby has been born to Isaiah and his wife, God says, okay, here come the enemies. The enemies are coming. And there's this amazing language where it says the enemies are going to sweep in and they're going to come up to your neck. You're going to be neck deep in trouble. And then there's this cry, Emmanuel. In chapter 8, Isaiah is amazing. It's such a great book. As God's people cry out, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And then God says this, devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand for God is with us. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And in the face of the threatening enemy that's opposing them, before the boy grows to become a man, God defeats them. Even though it gets to their neck, it doesn't drown them. So God gave the sign to his people. He gave them a baby. But some of you are still not satisfied. Some of you are. Some of you wish this would just end. But some of you are still not satisfied. Because you say, hang on a second though. Because the sign was that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. And John T., you definitely said that Isaiah slept with his wife. And that, by any definition, is not virgin. So that cannot be this sign. I mean, that was a sign that God gave to his people. But surely there's another one. There must be another baby somewhere here. There must be another one. One who fits the sign better. One who's more. Surely there's another virgin who conceives and gives birth. Huh. Here we are in Matthew's gospel. Where we meet a virgin who conceives. And gives birth to a son. And they're to call him. Emmanuel. You see yes. God gave Isaiah a son. But Isaiah's son was never the true Emmanuel. He was never the true sign. That was God's plan to come later. And now. Here. Here is the true sign. A true virgin. Who gives birth. To a son who's given the name Emmanuel. And this name, God with us. God says, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. In fact, I won't just give you a sign. God says, I'll be the sign. I will come in person to be God with you. I will be born as a baby. I will become a tiny little baby who's laid in a manger. This is God with us. That's the sign. Can you think of a more striking sign? Can you think of something more clear and more dramatic that God could possibly do than come in person as a baby? The Lord God says, I will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will conceive and will give birth to a boy and you will call him Emmanuel." We desperately need a sign, because we live in a scary world where there is threats all around, and God has given us a sign. He's given us a manual. And you would expect, wouldn't you, that if a baby was God in person, come to Earth, God with us, you'd expect that baby to do some pretty remarkable things. Well, he did. What did Jesus do as he grew into a man? Emmanuel, God with us. What did Jesus do? He met people who were threatened by all sorts of enemies. And he saved them. He met people who were threatened by sickness. Who were suffering. And the sickness had come up to their neck. They were neck deep. They were about to drown. And Jesus, God with us, defeated the enemy and drove it back. He was once in a boat with his friends and the storm was raging and the friends thought they were going to die and the waves were crashing over the boat, this threatening enemy seeking to overpower and destroy them. And Jesus stood up at the front of the boat and said, quiet, be still. Why? Because he's Emmanuel who drives back the threatening enemy. He met a man whose little girl had just died. He was overwhelmed by the advance of death itself. And Jesus took that little girl by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And he raised her to life. Because this is God with us. Who defeats even death itself. Death death is just a smoldering lump of wood to God. A little stump. And so Jesus eventually goes to a cross to do battle with death itself. And Jesus at the cross dies. And he's placed in the ground. And it looks like death has won. It looks like Jesus has been overpowered. But three days later, he smashes out of the grave. Death is defeated. You see, we live in a world of threat. And in many ways, we deserve it. We deserve it because we've lived our lives for ourselves. We've not loved and worshipped and trusted God. I don't think anyone in this room would say that we've loved and worshipped and trusted God perfectly. We've most of the time ignored him and pretend like he doesn't even exist. And because of that, there's threats, there's death all around us, and and, and enemies and struggle all around us. But what does God do? Rather than just abandon us over to death, instead he comes in person, Emmanuel, to save us. It's the sign. That's the sign that you need. And it means that this Jesus is the one who can save you. Which means that thirdly, and just briefly to finish, this is a sign oh hang on not that sign this is a sign that might change your life this Christmas this sign might change your life you know most signs that you drive by don't change their life don't change your life do they you know you drive past many many signs in your life and they make no difference to your life at all or do they what if signs are constantly saving your life Here's a sign that says, danger of death, do not enter. That sign is there to save your life. You have a choice to make when you see that sign. You can say, I'm going to listen to that sign and walk on by. Or you can say, I'm going to ignore that sign and go in anyway. That sign actually does have the power to change your life. And so it is with Jesus, Emmanuel, the sign that God has given to us. Here is the one who has the power to change your life. This Christmas, the sign stands before you and says, Will you trust me? In the face of all the threats around, will you trust me? See, often our reaction to threats, if you're anything like me, is to try and fix it ourselves. Here's a threat. You know, I'm worried about... uh, financial chaos after Brexit. So I'm preparing. You know, there's a whole people, bunch of people doing this, prepping, right? They've got bunkers and they've got food stored up. Apparently thousands of people are now doing this. It freaked me out. It made me wonder if perhaps I should be doing this. I'm slightly scared now because I feel like perhaps I should be preparing for the end of the world. And we tend to turn to our own resources. We, we look for um, strength in people or in money or in our work or in something that will give us security. And God says, no, I've given you a sign. Trust the sign. Money will fail you. People will fail. Everything will fail you. Your health will fail you. Work will fail you. But this sign will never fail you. In the face of the threat, trust the sign. So this Christmas... God's given you a sign. The sign's called Emmanuel, God with us, the one who can save us from all of our enemies, even death itself. Will you trust him? Why don't we pray together? I'm going to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us a sign. Lord, we live in a world that's full of threat. And sometimes our hearts do feel like trees in the forest being blown all over the place. Thank you that you've given us a sign so that we can trust you. And we ask this Christmas that that sign would change our lives and that we would rely and lean fully upon what you have done for us. Amen.